Welcome to the Bars and Tone radio program, an in-depth look at the news and issues facing a hecta members today. Now here are your hosts, Hal Meeks and BJ Tarian. Well, hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Bars and Tones. I'm BJ Tarian along with Hal Meeks. Hal, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. And we're also joined by a newcomer to the show, Brandon Boucher. Brandon joins us. Well, Brandon, we're here at NC State. How did you find yourself here at NC State? Well, I started here at NC State. I graduated from NC State in 2012 with a degree in meteorology. Wanted to go into broadcasting, but at the same time, didn't really know what I was getting myself into. So my first job, worked at a company called Weather Vision in Jackson, Mississippi. I did TV weather for stations all across the country. A lot of ones that didn't have the capability to either have their own meteorologist or just didn't have a newsroom entirely. So a lot of low powers or some smaller market of uh, big four affiliates and that, this and that. We had a radio station there, so I dabbled in radio a little bit, trying to figure out you know what all this broadcasting meant, how it all worked, and everything. Eventually, we redid our studio at Weather Vision, and the, my boss there at the time, we bought a TV station down in Biloxi, Mississippi, um, WXVO, low power station. It was analog, a lot of analog equipment, all standard definition. Well, I got the task of becoming the operations manager there and got the chance to build from pretty much the ground up a whole new TV station. So I really gained a lot of experience there, not only from the talent side, but to the production side and even on the engineering side, pretty much entirely put together this whole TV station. And with a lot of things we worked with, um, like TriCaster and whatnot, those are things that we used here at NC State. And so those opportunities with my knowledge there is what led me to come back to NC State, come back home and uh, you know, work here. Well, welcome. You're going to bring a great resource. It'll be a great resource for us, all things technical uh, especially, and we're definitely glad to have you. Uh, and this this show in particular, will be uh, you'll be able to share a wealth of knowledge because we're going to be talking about electronic news gathering, ENG. Uh, if you remember last year, we saw during the hurricanes uh, and the subsequent flooding, it seemed like the news stations in, in the Houston area and elsewhere were everywhere on location, live, switching around from all over the place, and really were mobilizing really, really quickly. Uh, so we saw that. We also, again, right up your alley, storm chasing. Right. You see how people are out in the field following these tornadoes, and we're watching on the screen as they're following the tornadoes. Or, or even more recently here, we've had some uh, snow in North Carolina, and the news stations are out, and they uh, are checking road conditions. And we're watching a live stream from a car onto the television station. I mean, it's really amazing uh, the things that we're able to do these days. Now, why is this done? Well, obviously, one of the things is it brings the audience to the scene of, of the action. And and I think that's important The because uh, it's all about giving access now. If you're creating content at all, it's about giving access. And, and you're able to do that through, through electronic news gathering. Uh, it's also something that the audience and the viewer, they're not going to be able to see in person because in case of the flooding, they're probably... They're, they're staying in place, or even with the bad road conditions, you can't go out and about. You rely on the news people to do that. So that's one of the main reasons why it's done. Now, how is it done? Well, if you look back over history, the first remote broadcasts were done back in radio, WHN in 1924. And that was radio. TV wasn't done until the late 50s and early 60s. And then, Hal, you know, a lot of the shows were just done live then. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, I remember the, the Honeymooners episodes or if they were running long at the end, Jackie Gleason would come out and say, oh, we're running long tonight, so we got to wrap it up. Or Jack Benny used to do it all the time on his both his radio and his television show. Uh, some great shows. Sure. Um, and, and so then it moves to TV and uh, and news in particular. And, and early on, you remember seeing the promos on TV. If you're watching something, something happened, uh, film at 11. And that's when they actually took film and they – edited that film, and then they had it ready for the 11 o'clock newscast. Um, and then, of course, it advanced on to satellite, and you move from there into fiber and internet. But the satellite, obviously, is expensive. Satellite truck, did you have any of those? We didn't have satellite trucks, but we had just gotten into doing fiber stuff. We'd Just before I started working at Weather Vision, we did a lot of live shots, and we they still do a lot of live shots for networks. And we'd have anybody in Mississippi need to be on Fox, CNN, MSNBC. They're all coming to the studio in Jackson. They'd just gotten rid of the you know million dollar plus satellite system and put in a fiber system that only costs you know under ten thousand dollars to put in. So a huge benefit there, but still it's a fixed location. You're you know, expensive internet at the time. Fiber is just starting to get put in place. So, you know, the big evolutions from fiber, and we're gonna get into that more in just a minute when we talk about the uh, the bonded cellular stuff. And, that, and you said something there that everyone was coming to the station yes. to do the broadcast. You couldn't go to them very easily. Uh, in my previous life, I would work. I worked at a network operations center and uh, for sports properties. And so if we had a venue that we were going to, we had to make sure the fiber was installed or even a T1 was installed prior to. All that stuff had to be tested. It's not something you can just show up and uh, and it worked. So there was a lot more in the way of logistics that had to be done. But like you hinted at there, uh, bonded cellular has arrived. So how what is bonded cellular and how long has it been around? Okay, so bonded cellular is actually a little bit of a misnomer because it's actually a constellation of different technologies that are used for basically doing remote broadcast. Uh, when we talk specifically about bonded cellular, you're usually talking about the uh, taking more than one uh, cellular modem, at least two, upwards to four or five different cellular modems, or other networking devices, including Wi-Fi, and you're combining them with a with a device that allows you basically to hop between different uh, cell towers or combined cell towers in order to get a more robust signal, so that you're then able to broadcast this stuff remotely without having to use satellite uh, satellite uplink. Um, so as a result, obviously the technology is is a little more affordable, it's more approachable, and it's definitely much more mobile. So you're saying you could use, uh, like for example, the four big cellular companies. You can use all of them at at one on one thing. Oh yeah. Absolutely. In fact, that's uh, one of the uh, best practices is that if you do set up a cellular modem, uh, cellular network, I mean, excuse me, a bonded cellular system, that what you're going to do is want to use more than one carrier. Uh, and the reason why is because, as everyone knows, when they're using their cell phone, there are some places that you're going to have dead spots with one carrier. And then the person next to you, of course, is going to be really annoying and saying, oh, well, I'm getting four bars on mine. So, you know, it, it's just a reality is that you're not going to get universal coverage across all carriers in all places. So that's why you uh, use, uh, you know, network devices that are with the different carriers. Or, as I've pointed out before, you can use uh, cellular modem devices combined with a Wi-Fi device or combined with an Ethernet uplink as well. So, Brandon, we are working here. Uh, we're experimenting with this because we have a, uh, a shoot that we're going to be doing on location. So you've been really researching this a lot. How does it actually work? 
So it takes all those different streams. In our example, you know, when in our testing, we'll go take our T-Mobile, our Sprint, our AT&T, Verizon stick, if we have Ethernet available there, plug it all up into our box made by Teradek, and that's going to give us um, all those different connections coming into the box, and those are going to connect to Teradek's cloud system. From there, to make sure you're getting everything out no matter how slow or fast those particular cell modems are working it splits the load of the video so just imagine you're splitting the video between four different sites everything's encoded digitally into a digital file a digital stream sent up to the cloud in essentially four different segments if one system drops back out you, know, you have those other three there to, to split the load so it's doing that all in real time and then as it's sent to the server, it's all recombined into your video. And from there, it's ready to be spit out to any uh, content delivery system that you need, such as YouTube or a, you know, your own private Wowza server, uh, Facebook Live, Twitch, any of those things. So going back to the examples we gave earlier, the storm chasers or the traffic reporters, they're actually more than likely, in a lot of cases, driving around with simplified one or all four cellular sticks, probably. It's like they have a, a, a super-powered cell phone to be able to do what they're doing, right, and, they, exactly. and they send yeah. it out. And so that's how we're able to see those shots. Now, how how did this all get started? Well, as far as um, as you know, as far as when this actually happened, uh, we started seeing articles uh, describing bonded cellular in 2012. So this is a relatively new technology. It's been on the market for about six to seven years. Um, we can trace the rise of bonded cellular with the widespread adoption of 3G networks, which was a point of inflection because at that point you're starting to have enough bandwidth that you actually can deliver video. Now, of course, when you have the onset of 4G and LTE, suddenly now you've got a lot of bandwidth that you're able to actually receive to deliver a robust video signal. But again, as I've mentioned before, the problem is is that a matter of signal strength between the different cell phone towers that might be in your particular area. So some of the limitations and limiting factors, Brandon, uh, I would imagine exactly that, if you got to be in range of a cell phone tower. Oh, oh yeah, that's probably, I mean, that's obviously the biggest factor right there. Doing some storm chasing out in Mississippi myself, there'd be plenty of times where I'd not get too far out of town. It's just completely rural areas where Verizon just had nothing. No coverage with Verizon. You know, I might pick up something every now and then on a t-mobile phone it just all just depended so that's the biggest factor um which some of that can be kind of mitigated with having local knowledge of what if there's any regional carriers in your area that are kind of filling in those dead spots or just knowing you got to avoid taking a shot out of this certain part of the road as you head out because you know you're not going to have the bandwidth and some of the other limiting factors are you hear everybody with these un unlimited data plans right now you know any person go out and get an unlimited data plan but the thing is there once you get to a certain usage they throttle you down so if you're not aware of that you're going to watch those your stream your data link get throttled back down to a point where you know it's like you're back on 3g and you might be able to still easily get out a standard definition shot, but your HD video could potentially suffer, especially if you're on some of these um, more cost-conscious uh, 
solutions where they might only have one or two different links up to their cloud. So talk about the costs aspect of this. We talked about fiber being, uh, you know, fiber is pretty expensive. T1, they're expensive. Obviously, satellite trucks through the roof. But how about the cost for bonded cellular? Well, um, okay. So there's several factors you got to consider when you start thinking about a bonded cellular system. It's easy to spend about $8,000 on a complete turnkey uh, bonded cellular system. In fact, uh, Teradex sells such a thing in a backpack, basically. So for $8,000, you buy this thing. However, what you can do is spend a little less money, and you can put together the pieces yourself, and you know, save a few dollars here and there. Um, um, so this does not include the cost of the USB modems that, or other networking devices that you're going to need uh, to add to this particular device so you get your, uh, you get your uplink. Um, your stream goes either to a dedicated cloud service um, where you use a Teradex Sputnik uh, server, which is about $50 a month, or you use a dedicated Linux server with their Sputnik software system to receive the encoded stream. So therefore, you've got, if you decide to do it yourself, you still have the cost of standing up a, a Linux server and, of course, your network connection and all that for that particular solution. Um, there are other solutions such as LiveU, which combines encoder with a bonded cellular with their cloud services, which has a, an ongoing cost that you have to have. And, uh, but the advantage there, of course, is that you're not running any infrastructure at all. You're just basically buying their device, hooking it up, and away you go. Okay? Um, but, but also, finally, you've also got the cost of your data services, as uh, Brandon was touching on right now. And uh, so you have to talk about the different data plans, because you are talking about a data plan as if you were doing it for a cell phone. And so you're going to want to shop around here. And you are going to definitely want to look at the fine print, because as Brandon uh, talked about, you have some particular carriers, and I will mention one by name, which is T-Mobile, uh, where they do offer unlimited data, but that's, that there's a data cap on how much unlimited data you actually have. And then below, after you get over that data cap, they actually throttle the signal. And in fact, they throttle down to the point where I would say it's not really that, it's not really gonna be usable at that point for a bonded cellular system. So you're gonna to want to actually talk to your cellular provider and be upfront with them and tell them exactly what you're wanting to do and see if you can find the right cell phone plan that's going to work well with your particular, with your particular needs. So Brandon, we talked about this a little bit earlier. We we just did this process. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about what it actually cost us and what you found as you worked your way through it? Yeah. So really, the state of things right now is that pretty much, you know, besides the well, really even as we get to it a little bit later, um, some live view stuff where you can go straight from your phone just through an app and kind of have that same technology. There's kind of pick your budget and you can kind of find your solution. LiveView um, starts out about $1,000 with things and will, like I said, you they're just a single modem, single USB modem you plug in. So you're a little bit limited there because um, you're not getting a true bond. You're not splitting it up. You're all, everything's relying on one single connection. But the good thing is there, it's very cost efficient. I think it's about $1,000 for the encoder and then about $500 for a year for live stream. So that's great for, you know, your personal go out and shoot, kind of show your vlog or whatever you want to do there. And then you can step up to some of the Teradek equipment, which is anywhere between about five dollars to $7,000, as Hal mentioned, go 8000 And you can easily go up from there, just depending on what sort of equipment, you know, what sort of modems you get, whether you purchase the Teradek-specific modems to go along with there. Uh, 
their Teradek bond system. And then if you even want to step it up from there, LiveView goes further with you have your rack mount system that you leave in your studio, go out in the field with your you know $10,000 boxes and plus, and then head out and that way you have your link always out in the field, always hardwired in at your studio and just ready for production. So there's tons of solutions out there right now, kind of with whatever price la- price range you want. And we're going to talk a little bit more with George Klippel. He's the sales director of channels with LiveView about his products there at LiveView. And thanks for having, thanks for being on with us today. Absolutely. Glad to be here. So you work for LiveView. Why don't you give us a little bit of an introduction to what LiveView does, what products they provide and what their mission is. Uh, sure. Um, LiveView essentially is um, a company that works in the bonded cellular industry. We move video from point A to point B, and we do it better than anybody else out there. Uh, we're basically using bonded cellular technology, uh, and it, what that means is we use multiple Internet connections, Wi-Fi, Ethernet, etc., and send video packets over the Internet to a physical server back uh, in a studio or to a cloud server where the signals repacketized and sent out into a router or switcher environment like an SDI output or NDI output to go to broadcast, or you can also send a signal out to RTMP, MPEG-TS, or even a combination of both, depending on what your needs are, uh, to go to a CDN or an OVP like a YouTube or Facebook or something along those lines. And we have a, a wide variety of products that cover essentially all spectrums, um, if you will, of the production uh, side of the house, whether they're portable field units that are used for acquisition that connect to your camera in SDI or HDMI, uh, to software encoders for smartphones like your iPhone or Android. We even have uh, 4K decoders and servers, even fixed in vehicle uh, rack-mounted units as well. Excellent. So all sorts of great things there. And using cellular really gives everybody a huge advantage. Not only do the acquisition costs of doing this stuff goes down, it's much smaller, more compact. I mean, I've worked in broadcast for a number of years, and so I've done plenty of the getting rid of the old satellite uplink stuff, going to more of an IP-based system where it just all fits in one rack mount space. And I've also seen the difference of you know mounting a big old dish on our roof to receive a video uh, signal down or a channel down as opposed to the IP space. That's one of the biggest uh, advantages of going with bonded cellular or anything cellular. Would you say that's correct? Would you agree? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's really all about, you know, cutting the cord and, and, and being able to go wherever you want, whenever you want. Right. Um, And that's, you know, like you, like you said, getting rid of a sat trucks or, being able to uh, not have to worry about a sat truck in a scene like uh, recently when we had the big hurricanes down south, right? Sat trucks were not able to get on scene because of the debris and the high winds. They couldn't raise their uh, their masts, right? Uh, we were able to get in there with our units and our field packs and get shots out for all the major networks because of the portability of our, our, our units, right? Um, and it's really uh, a wonder at how this technology works. And, you know, with this type of technology, too, you don't have to worry about satellite windows and other types of things uh, that you're always thinking about in that type of space. So you're right on the money with that. 
Yeah, it's really been amazing, especially as I know a lot of us watch the coverage of Hurricane Harvey here in the U.S. and also the hurricanes impact the Caribbean, especially Harvey, just watching all the flooding where you just had almost wall-to-wall coverage of watching the reporters in the field on boats and stuff. That would just be impossible with you know any other sort of equipment, not only you know damage to infrastructure, you know, you're still going to worry about some of that stuff with the cellular side of things, but you know, putting those sat trucks, you know, you can't put, you can't drive that through eight feet of water, and that's just really an amazing thing that's let um, news gathering have such a big shift in the past several years. Where, how long has this really been getting going in the business side of things, using bonded cellular, and even just you know, single uh, point cellular to get out these shots? Yeah, you know, so LiveU was founded back in 2006, right? So we're over 10 years old now as a company, but we really didn't get product shipping until about 2008. And we got our start in the broadcast space, but now we're in all verticals, if you will, from sports to uh, education to house of worship, um, you name it, we're really, our technology is being used everywhere. It's not just in broadcasting, right? We've got over 6,500 of our units used in over 80 countries around the globe with over 3,000 different end users. So it's been around for a long time. And quite frankly, about 65% of all live shots you see on broadcast TV today are done on live view packs. So it's it's an amazing technology that's really robust, that's that's be kind of come mainstream, if you will. Um, so it's, it's reached that critical mass where uh, you know, it's not really a decision anymore for network news organizations or other companies that are interested in going out and doing news gathering to uh, uh, to think of it as, uh, you know, well, maybe I'll do live streaming with cellular bonding uh, over a sat truck. It's really it's a integral part of their production workflow. They've got to have these types of units in their portfolio. Right. And I know for us here at NC State, we use bonded cellular technology uh, as we cover our sports and even just some of the more simpler events we go out to cover on campus because we don't have to worry about, you know, 3,000 students being on the same area that we're trying to connect into on the Wi-Fi. We don't have to get our MAC addresses activated on the network. And just going to the Bonded Cellular has really made a big difference on how easy it is to get stuff out. It's stuff, you know, if we're having issues and we have one of our other operators somewhere else on another location, they can get in and work on the units. It's just been a great impact, especially with our sports coverage, because we can just take our equipment out to stuff where you know, there was no infrastructure to put internet out before. Yeah, bonded cellular has really been, and, and LiveView in particular, has really been a disruptor to the news gathering organization space. But it's been, as you just mentioned, a disruptor to many other spaces uh, academia is one for sure, and, and athletics in particular. We have uh, what we call or refer to as at-home productions, which is really taking off. And uh, in in the sports industry in, in particular, it's taken off where, you know, companies are leaving the production gear in the production spaces in whether it's the education production space or uh, their main production facility uh, at home, if you will, and just sending out the camera and the live view packs to the events around the country and sending the feeds back to their head end at home and uh, saving money on transportation and, and food and lodging and things like that and doing the productions all remotely. It's an amazing change to the industry, and um, it's impacting everyone in a really 
positive uh, positive way. It, it's it's impacting other uh, spaces as well, including like utilities where uh, they're using technology like ours with drones and streaming uh, streaming connectivity or uh, inspections, if you will, of the windmills and things like that, where they used to have to have somebody come out and fly out from the corporate office to do these inspections physically at the location of where all these wind turbines were. And now they're actually connecting LiveView products to these drones out of an iPad, HDMI into a unit, streaming these back to the headquarters, um, you know, saving tons of money uh, for these organizations. But it's really um, a lot of different unique uses, even outside of uh, news gathering. And as you mentioned, not just in education and sports, there's a lot of student-run television organizations like at, uh, your, your uh, organization's your organization there, Syracuse at Citrus TV. Uh, there's many, many organizations in education that are using our products because not only do they want to have the latest type of technology, but it really does allow you to get a lot more done. It allows you to cut the cord and get out into the action with the students, right? And give a whole new different perspective. And for journalism programs, you're able to access the same uh, tools and use the the same tools that the professional industry is using today, right? And as I mentioned before, with over 65% of all the live shots you see on network TV coming off a live view unit, um, that's a huge impact when you can walk out with your degree saying that you've been using the same technology that CBS and CNN and MSNBC and all these different networks are using, that's a big leg up when you go out looking for a job, right? Absolutely. So can you elaborate a little bit more about the potential uses. We're kind of an education-centered um, podcast on the technology side and communication side. What are some of the wider variety of stuff that you might not think about using this stuff for that have an impact on the academia side? Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's it's really interesting in, in the academic side. We see a couple of u uses. The low-hanging fruit, obviously, are, are the journalism programs and the um, athletic programs. Those are the easy ones that you always think of. Uh, the J schools love the technology because again, it, as I mentioned, it's teaching kids real world scenarios. And obviously the journalism schools today have the top instructors in the world teaching their kids. Most of them come from um, the, the professional industry. So the kids are getting a chance to learn from professionals in industry already. And now having them use the professional tools that are being used in industry is a huge advantage for them, right? And then conversely, um, giving the, the students a chance to use the technology in athletics, because most of the time uh, the athletics department are pulling kids from the journalism program to work as freelancers, to work uh, um, um, on, on um, you know, on the sports program or for scoreboard during the games uh, for experience, right? So they get to kind of get a lot of training and, and a, a lot of hands-on, if you will. Uh, but we also see um, many organizations using our tools uh, for commencement, for um, public relations, to uh, promote um, their schools and social media for recruitment in other ways that you don't typically think of uh, live view or, or that type of uh, technology maybe being used. So they'll connect it to a commencement uh, feed maybe being switched through a TriCaster, a multi-camera shoot, right? They'll have commencement with six or seven cameras going into a TriCaster, um, and then they'll use Live view as the output to go and send out to their social media site like Facebook or uh, the school's website. So all the, the 
the family members who couldn't attend commencement can watch it live, right? Um, so those are some of the unique ways that you see it being used uh, in academic institutions. Plus, at the at-home production uh, that I mentioned, which has become more and more popular, uh, like Oklahoma University using it uh, um, when they go remote on sports uh, events and doing uh, things like their golf outing on, on um, taking multiple cameras out onto the golf course while leaving the production facilities in the in the studio, not putting it in a fly pack, taking it out on the golf course and and doing that type of uh, coverage. So th- those are a couple of ways in education in particular um, that we find uh, unique uses. Yeah, it really is amazing how much you can cut out of taking stuff in the field. You, know, you have less stuff you've got to lug out there, less space you need to set up when you can feed those streams back reliably without issues uh, back to a centrally located studio. That's going to be, you know, most time when you have that, give you a much better quality overall of your production. And, you know, that, the time savings, the space savings really adds up to just a really great uh, use case for Bonded Cellular and just makes a big impact on day-to-day production. Yeah, and I think that's really, I mean, people are looking more and more to save money, right? And how do they do that? They can do that by not traveling everywhere all the time and sending in big production crews. And, and uh, you know, we started this a few years ago with uh, Nesson, New England Sports Network, and the Boston Red Sox. They used to send full crews down with a sat truck down to spring training in Florida, and then a couple of years back, they approached us about this at-home production possibility. And what they did was they went down and tried it one year and loved it. And now instead of sending a sat truck, they send six cameramen with six packs and they sync those cameras together and do all the production back in Boston. So now not only have they, they, they save on all the satellite costs and everything else, but they save on all the crew costs and everything else that went with it going down to spring training every year to be able to do this at home production. So it's a really effective and efficient workflow. And it's for us, we see it really taking off. It's really growing and in particular in athletics. So before we get a little bit into your products, what is the most unique use case that you guys have found the use for bonded cellular for? Oh, that's a great question. The most unique use case. I don't know. I will tell you an interesting one. We had uh, during the eclipse, if uh, you recall, um, we had um, a colleague of mine, Sebastian Alvarez, went out on a Coast Guard cutter six miles off the coast, and he had a live ULU 600 connected into an extender, and we were transmitting with NASA and the University of Charleston um, images, the final eclipse images um, from a Coast Guard boat off of the uh, off the coast there of Charleston, about six miles out in the ocean. That's the most unique use I've seen. There's, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's many other uses. Uh, I mean, IRL is pretty popular in real life. The people out on Twitch, which is uh, something I haven't done yet, which is pretty crazy, filming your life uh, constantly. Twenty-four. That is pretty unique. I would, I, I guess, I would replace it with that. IRL is probably the most unique use of the technology uh, today. Uh, Twitch users are pretty wild, pretty crazy, and filming your life. Uh, with bonded cellular is a pretty cool uh, way of doing things and people are giving money to people for doing that and um, 
that's a pretty wild and unique use. Absolutely. So getting into all this, is it very burdensome, cost prohibitive to get into cellular point-to-point transmission or bonded cellular equipment? No, you know what? Uh, LiveU has a full family of products that, you know, start off from under $1,000. We're the first company with a fully bonded solution, the LiveU Solo, for under $1,000. And we have products that go all the way up to around 25000 which is our high-end LU600 HEV CHD product, uh, which our broadcasters use, right? And we have everything in between. So it's it's uh, very inexpensive, um, depending on what your needs are, right? If you're a LiveView Solo customer, which uh, is a very popular product of ours, that's for, you know, the online user who's somebody who wants to be a YouTuber, right? Somebody who's the IRL customer I just mentioned, somebody who is doing uh, social media all the time. That's what that product is for. Uh, and then um, the broadcast journalism students are using our LU200 product and um, then our, you know, our, our broadcast customers like CBS and uh, Fox and uh, all the other ones I mentioned earlier, they're using the LU600, the top of the line. But we have everything in between, including our LU Smart App, which is for your Android or your iPhone, which allows you to bond your cell phone with Wi-Fi and actually get a reliable connection bonded together with our patented LRT, which is our Live View Reliable Transport, which is found on every one of our products, which gives you uh, the best connection regardless of bandwidth. Um, and it's just, you know, really from a product perspective, we have something that kind of fits every wallet, if you will. Absolutely. Just, you know, the fact that you could get started just with what's in your hand already is a pretty amazing start. And the Live View Solo, I mean, how big is that piece of equipment? Yeah, it's about, um, I, I think it's a, it weighs about a pound um, and it's about five and a half inches long by about uh, four inches wide so it's really small um it's amazing it comes in two flavors hdmi only and one flavor uh, and the other has hdmi and sdi so if you're using higher end cameras you could uh, use it with that but it works with any camera pretty much out there so if you're using gopros or um you can even connect your ipad to it or your iphone a lot of people love using their iphones uh, because they have such great cameras with it you just get the little adapter your uh um, I think it's FireWire, is it? I'm not an iPhone user, so I always forget it's FireWire something to HDMI output, and you connect it into your Solo, and you can use that to bond your, your signal out and uh, use your camera uh, f- uh, camera as the video recording device. So it's, it's pretty neat. Absolutely. And if anybody out there listening and wants to get in touch, may talk to you a little bit about this equipment. How can they get in touch with you? Yeah, so you can reach me at george at liveview.tv. That's pretty simple, um, straightforward. And to learn more about our products, you could go to liveview.tv, and all of our products are listed there. And we also have an education page specifically that talks about all of our different uh, um, education initiatives that we have out. We also have some um, case studies on Syracuse and Quinnipiac and Central Michigan and others and it really kind of dives into what we're doing in the education space because we have great education pricing um, and we have some other really nice things that are specifically geared towards our education customers. And I think that's what worth noting. And that's uh, e- that email or excuse me, that website address is get.liveutv slash education. So either way, contact me at George at Live UTV. 
or get.liveutv/education. Well, thank you, George. Thank you for all the insight, and not only live you, but just in a bonded cellular as whole. Very interesting, and I'm sure it'll be very interesting for all of our listeners. And that that was very interesting. Now, now bringing this all back together. So essentially, if I wanted to do a live shoot from on location somewhere, set it up really quickly. Essentially, what I'm doing is I buy this equipment. I have plans from at least two major carriers. You'd want to have at least two. Plus, if I have internet available, if I can use a hotspot from my phone or a portable hotspot, that all counts. It all goes back into this one thing, and then that one thing streams it out to the wherever it needs to go. Right. So, you know, one of the things is that, um, you know, as we look forward, when you talk about bonded cellular stuff, I mean, if you're on the fence about this, you really should be thinking about it seriously because it, the technology is uh, such an empowering technology in terms of what it allows you to do. Um, so um, th- don't let the cost dissuade you from it because, as Brandon was talking about, there are affordable solutions out there as long as you're willing to accept some limitations in terms of what it's going to let you do. So, but, however, the fact is, is it allows, it d- lets you do something that you may not have been able to do before, which is actually be able to go out and cover a live event, whereas before you would have said, we can't do it, we're going to go out and, and videotape or shoot the event, and then we're going to basically do it um, post-production and put it up afterwards. And a lot of times people really do want to see the live event. There's a lot of reasons why you would want to do that. And um, it certainly adds a lot of, um, it adds a lot to your programming to be able to offer that ability. Film at 11. Absolutely. Well, no, that's even that's what I'm saying. At film at 11, the difference here is what we're talking about is that the, instead of shooting it and then showing it, you're actually showing it live. And it, so there's a sense of immediacy that you have. It's um, it's the same idea behind, you know, the in uh, news reporting right now where you are using a cell phone as a recording device for uh, ENG work. Um it's it's something now that um, it's widely used. It's people don't even think twice and twice now about using cell phone footage in a broadcast. And the reason why is for several reasons. First of all, it's what you have with you. Okay, so you always have your cell phone with you. The other thing about it is um, the cell phones, in terms of the video quality, has made leaps and bounds over the last couple of years. Um, the quality out of both Android uh, handsets and also the iPhone is uh, remarkably good. Um, so, you know, do not be, do not hesitate to be somewhere at a live event and not necessarily whip out your cell phone and shoot some footage as long as you use good standard practices for shooting, um, such as keeping it steady and, of course, using a landscape orientation. Yes. Um, yes, What was that? Say that again. (laughs) And using a landscape orientation. Although, as has been pointed out to me on YouTube, there's a thing on YouTube now where people shoot the other way on purpose. Unless you're filming a flagpole. And I do not know why it's a thing, but it is a thing. Thing on YouTube, power pole, traffic light, where people purposely shoot. Yeah, I know it makes my head hurt. But the, the bottom line is, is that is you know you suddenly have this incredible ability for not just you and not just you and your and your news team, um, but also uh, people who are on the scene to be able to capture that footage for you as well. So you have opportunities there to be able to collect footage from people who are eyewitnesses, eyewitnesses there and use their footage in your um, in your broadcast as well. And Brandon, uh, in your research, is there anything else that you would like to throw out there, little caveats that you might have found or anything like that? Just, I mean, for any sort of broadcast equipment, 
is not that much. You know, it's not a big investment, especially on the lower end. It's extremely affordable. It adds so much to your production, and it's just no no brainer. It lets you shoot anywhere you couldn't shoot before. Even if some of our cases, you know, across the field, you know, across one of our sports right. fields, you know, it's just like, okay, we're going to need to go run 500 feet of, of Ethernet cable, or now we can just simply just pop up our bonded cellular and get power to it and be good to go. It almost makes it like a commodity video, being able to bring it to the masses now uh, and do it so much easier than, than it's done in the past. Uh, Hal, we have about 30 seconds more here. Do you want to explain your whole bagel story? Yes, I'm getting free bagels forever. Now, how I, is that happening? Because what's happening is, and this is just something you should all be aware of, when you go to a, play, a restaurant, they have the customer survey form on the receipt. No one ever fills that thing out. I have been filling them out now for about the last four months. And so what's happening now is I have, I'm getting, for all practical purposes, unlimited bagels from Brugger's Bagel. <laughs> um, there, is many, I, there have been at one time where I've had three of these receipts filled out for three free bagels and i've got i feel guilty actually going in and getting three free bagels going back the next day and getting three three more bagels and oh by the way when i turn that receipt in and i buy a cup of coffee guess what i get okay. i get a receipt with another customer survey form you should have done this on bagel day you could have more receipts I know. I mean, free bagels. I, I have a. I am. I am being showered with bagels. And then, of course, I went to Wendy's the other day and found out that yes, indeed, you fill out the customer survey form and you can get a free, uh, large sandwich. See, my my problem right now is, as you know, they've done away with the squakel at Cozy. But I do have a free entree coming to me because I complained. That's my own. I I'm I'm feeling your pain here. The squakel is. Yes, I don't understand. Talk about technology and advancements. Square bagels. I I'm, I'm, I hear you loud and clear. So that pretty much wraps it up here for us today. But if you have any topics that you'd like to discuss, you can email us at wolfbites at ncsu.edu. That's W-O-L-F-B-Y-T-E-S at ncsu.edu. We'll be back again much sooner than the last time we were here. Uh, for Brandon Boucher, Brandon, welcome. And Hal Meeks, I'm BJ Atarian. This has been Bars and Tone. Thanks for listening.